0: I was running a small shop. We had trouble being able to keep track of everything. QuickBooks, Google Calendar, PayPal, email, whiteboards, nothing talked to each other. It was complicated. I wanted to be able to have an easy to use system to be able to keep track of their orders from quote all the way to shipping and pickup. That's what Printavo does. It's cloud-based. You can add your whole team to it and you can give it a free trial. So click the link down below. You can actually sign up, go through a demo and see if it'll work for your shop. Hey, pronunciation. Welcome back to another episode of Printavo pronunciation podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from printable. got Mr. Stephen Farig, Mr. Stephen Farig out of campus, Inc. And we got an awesome episode coming up. We got Mr. Jeffrey Paul part two. We had to extend it. He's back. Really That's cool Four takeaways. Um, yeah. He went on a riff. Some, some really good tactical stuff too. I might add to take away first equipment, pricing, um people when your business changes when to evolve based on revenue all really really good stuff
1: oh, i i don't think there were more knowledge bombs than we've had in the la- in that hour it was it was knowledge G- bomb central Jeffrey
0: Paul is is knowledge bomb central n b c what no no k b c i need to know how to spell all right let's kick it off you want to go ahead graphics sure. source mr graphics source
1: Graphic Source. Do you need a solution to improve efficiency and reduce cost in your art department? Graphic Source offers industry leading outsource options for your shop by truly becoming part of your team. They plug and play with Printavo and other shop management softwares when it comes to SEPs, mock ups, creative art, order management, embroidery, digitizing, back office admin, or even customer service. There's no better company in our industry to work with. With over 30 years in the game, they really know and understand shop needs and have a proven track record of success. Hit them up at graphicsource.com for art staffing needs and mention Printavo Pod for 50% off your first vector separation or embroidery order. Graphic Graphicsource is
0: taking over. They're doing some awesome stuff. Uh, supercolor. you're a big supercolor user.
1: Big Super user. So we started using supercolor. Um, I met Rum at a tr- uh, Print Hustlers, the one with Profit First and he handed me a little baggie and was like, go try this out. And then COVID came around um, and I tried it out and we used it on all our masks. And that's why we fell in love with Supacolor. Um, supercolor is the world's best heat transfer. It's made by screen printers for screen printers. Supercolor understands firsthand the pressure and expectations of the screen printing business. That's why they pride themselves on being super fast and super easy. And I will say they are the Amazon of our industry when it comes to customer service, when it comes to shipping. They do what they say, they finish what they start, and they're an amazing company to work with. Um, experience them for yourself using promo code PRINTAVO15 and get 15% off your order. Thanks, SuperColor.
0: Nice. Easy way. I know you've seen easy way at the trade shows. Make sure to check them out. They've got some really nice environmentally conscious chemicals that will get the job done faster for you and your shop. I know Camp Sync's a big customer as well. A lot more efficiently and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen to use them. Give them a go. They're an awesome team um, to work with and will absolutely be able to help
1: you out. Bruce, have you heard of multicraft underscore daddy? Who's that? Well, if you need art supplies or a daddy, um, hit up Dave Eggers and the team at Multicraft. Multicraft actually just launched a, I believe what was a new Shopify, I think a really nice e-commerce platform to be able to order um, ink. And so we'll have to drop the link in there below. Uh, Mention the Printavo podcast and receive an extra 10% off your order. Um, Yeah, let's get to the show, Bruce. All right, let's jump on in.
2: Anyway, guys, thanks for
1: uh, thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. No, thanks for yeah, uh, thanks for re- coming back.
1: Awesome. Part two. Yeah. Um, Bruce, good haircut.
0: Thank you. I don't have the facial hair like you. Or you know, like uh, your
1: previous Printavo or uh, shirt show put together our faces to make a podcast thing, and I'd just like to say. My hairline is much stronger than Bruce's um, I saw that. and I got some good comments that, uh, yeah. So that's all right, Bruce. <laughs>
0: yeah. My, um, I'm definitely getting lighter, like on the sides here. I'm just hoping it doesn't like curl all the way back. You know, like it starts to go like this and then you might as well just shave the center and then, you know, then it's all the way downhill from there.
2: You know they can fix that these days, Bruce. And I tell you, that's true. You're right. You know I spend a lot of time in Asia, and it's it's incredible how often I meet people on planes who are going there for like a medical tourism. Yeah, right. They're going over there and they're getting some they're getting some some hair plugs done, or maybe they're getting some you know that cool scope cool sculpting stuff now. And they'll go over there. And they'll book all these procedures over a two week period in some in some place like Bangkok at fabulous fabulous hospitals.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Right?
2: And you know, stuff that stuff that might cost you four or five thousand dollars here in the state, you can do there first class for two grand. Not that you need it. You look amazing, but I'm just, you
0: know. On a totally off the side, yes, I, I've actually seen that too. We had a layover in Turkey once and it was the same thing. Tons of people coming in with, with like their head wrapped and then with like dots and lines all over, you can see underneath the bandage. Um,
2: Istanbul should. is the number, Istanbul, and I think Mumbai maybe is number two. And Mexico city is pretty high up there for, um, male hair procedures. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Uh, you know, it's, um, either something with that culture or just they've got good medical systems there. So that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me.
1: You learn something new every day. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure. My wife always makes fun of me for retaining how much just absolutely useless knowledge I could retain. But then things that are, to her credit, valid that I should remember, I can't remember.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That you need to remember? Yeah, that's fair. Welcome back. Yeah, this is fun. We had a great talk last time and wanted to keep it going.
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, first, I know uh, Fort Worth's coming up. Hope to see everybody there. That's actually going to be in September 30th. So plan your tickets because airplane tickets are insane right now. Alert, alert. They're like 2x more for everything to go anywhere.
2: It, it, it really is. And, and go ahead and book it now because one of the good things that came out of the pandemic is all, all the airlines got rid of their change fees. Right. So True. there's no reason not to book it now. And if you end up not being able to go, you are going
1: to refund you. Like, I will say it's really hard to redeem credits sometimes. I'll be like, wait, do I have any credits? Can I use them on this one? They're like, you can't use until 2022 or something, 2023. I don't know if you have this issue. Yeah, some.
0: not all of them linked to your account, I found. Yeah, American's it's like, gotten yeah, it's, better. Southwest is definitely the best with it. But yeah, not. And then international is just a total shit show on it. So It is. I have a,
2: there's a whiteboard next to my next to my. Office of all the ticket numbers I, with three I'm keeping, I'm keeping track of unused tickets, especially you talk about the overseas stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, because they don't, they don't, they don't make it easy. I'm embarrassed, embarrassed to say that on more than one occasion I have purchased flights for the wrong date. Mm. <laughs>
1: right? I'll,
2: I'll get somewhere like Dubai or get somewhere like Doha or Istanbul, and I'm going up there to check in for my ticket, they're like, sir, I can't find you. I'm like, it's right here. Like, sir, this is for tomorrow. Jeffrey, Yeah, or, I'm going to introduce you to Belay <laughs>
0: Solutions, your virtual assistant that will... It's the
2: damn dateline, date right? It's like, I'm leaving the day and I'm thinking, oh, it's a 14-hour flight. That means I'm going to get there. Oh, no, I need to ask you. Jeffrey,
0: add it, wow. this is intervention. I'm going to introduce you to your new virtual assistant. You know, I mean, the problem is, is you're just doing a lot of things, like everybody. But anyway...
1: It is well, you know. I've been unfortunate. We 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 could do a whole podcast on missed.
2: Well, Bruce, look, I I think we we made a we our last our last talk. Um, we kind of covered a whole kind of wide ranging list of topics, and maybe I went off on some.
0: No, there was a lot of good stuff, honestly. Where I remember us leaving off was is diving into. You help a lot of folks on the Facebook groups, and we were talking about some of the top things that, um, you felt. I mean, you could be as blunt as possible, honestly, like w- what you think people miss. Like, yeah. I mean, you write yeah. some really handcrafted responses that I've gone through. And I'm like, damn, th- this is, it's this almost is like,
1: deep. But- I-, I imagine your responses are like you sitting down at a grand piano. Like, <laughs> With like jacket. a feather
2: <laughs> pen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dipping it in the ink. In my defense, let me say there's a lot of times where my expensive Facebook replies might be taking place during a nine hour layover in an airport Mm. or, or a 16 hour flight to Singapore, you know, where I have Wi-Fi and I've pretty much watched every available downloadable movie. And so I don't know, I'll just type too much on Facebook, I guess. Um, You know, Facebook, man, that's, um, it's hard. that's That's a unique place. Right. And I, I cannot imagine owning a business, you know when we had our screen print shop the early 2000s i cannot imagine trying to do what both of you guys do in today's social media environment and just a lot of the just poisonous is probably a bit too strong a word but maybe not in some cases that the the eventual that is so easily communicated through social media about either companies or people personally that, I, that we didn't have to deal with 20 years ago right you know if i pissed off a customer or I fired a customer because, you know, they wanted their seventh art revision on a family reunion Times New Roman font. And I just said, you know what, guys, maybe this is just we're not the company for, for you. I didn't have to worry about them going out on Yelp and Facebook and all these local community. I mean, the worst thing I had to worry about was them calling the Better Business Bureau. You know, and so I don't envy you guys having to do that. And the, the, the thick skin that you obviously have. To, to deal with a lot of the things that um, you're dealing with. And I know both of you personally have, have, have dealt with some of this pretty heavily over the last month. And you know, I can, so I can speak for my, I can speak for myself, but I can also speak for everybody that I know in the vast majority of this industry, that, that the vocal minority is just that. Sure. It, it's the minority. And um, I'm sorry you guys have to do with it. And man, I thank you for everybody else that appreciates what you do and just, being able to push past a lot of that. Bruce bullshit.
1: has thicker, more patient skin than me.
2: He and Ryan Moore are just, just, they're just, they're just good people. And they just kind of, you know, I'm just here to help, man. You know, and then, but then some of the stuff that comes at him, I'm like, Jesus
1: Christ. Yeah, no. I'll just tell you, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I go right for it. I'm just like, yeah, that's stupid. Um, I'm think,
0: I think, like, I think for the most part, yeah, you're right. The The definite, the more critical people are definitely a lot louder and more vocal. But I don't know. If you haven't done anything great though, like are starting or trying to do, you're not going to get people talking about it. And, and honestly, I think... I, in our, all of our positions, any business owner, you're always looking at the most negative stuff anyway. It's like, if you're cruising through your Yelp page, you're not looking at the five star reviews. You're like, okay, five, 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 one star. What? Hold on, like you click the more and you start reading it and you're like, who's this person's name? And you go back up again, it's like looking at a restaurant. Like when you look at the good reviews on a restaurant review, when you want to go see where you want to eat.
1: You kind of you you flip past the most recent and and one stars, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you get spooked. And that's the same thing I have on like Amazon when I'm looking some silly product. But what do you, what do you think? Like, what do you think are, let's go through top three things that you feel when you see shops on Facebook groups that you can help, or or maybe people are missing or what they should be doing better.
1: What is Like, what are the blinders that they might have on?
2: I've kind of got a little, just a little note list over here. And whether these are hard-hitting or not, that, that's for each shop and each opinion. But these are the ones that I – topics that I typically see come up a lot. And um, and it's just what I see people going off on these diatribes and where I see these, these you know, these keyboard cowboys or, you know, these people with their keyboard courage um, come out of the woodworks mostly. And so, obviously, equipment. So let's talk about equipment here in just a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about software that, that you use to run your business. Um, let's talk about managing supply chains. And let's talk about pricing. Ooh, four. Right. Now, okay. Uh, now, so you know, there's been a lot of talks about employees, HR. I mean, we're, you know, that, that everybody knows that's tough, right? So that it kinda is what it is. So let's talk about those kind of those four things. Let's 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 talk about the first thing that comes up more absolutely more than anything is equipment. All right. Right. You can just I mean, I don't know what the percentage are, but it seems like at least every other post or every third post It's like which price somebody popping in there says, I bought a new press. What do you think about it? Oh, it's a piece of shit. Throw it away. You know, or, <laughs> or, or what do you think? The automatic press yeah, is? I what
0: saw one the other day it? and I was like, well, back in 92, the one I bought was a, a can of bolts. And
1: I, you know, what I try, what I try to do is like, when I see that, I try to put myself in their situation and just be like, okay, this person that's post, they're so pumped about this press. They bought it at a garage sale. You know they're so pumped about their speedball ink and they're so pumped about this and yeah like we just sometimes obliterate them
2: yeah and it's too bad you know i mean at the, at the end of the day you i think we talked about this in our last episode the barriers to entry in this industry are so small that that guy buying a thousand dollar press used and maybe getting a little real ink mixing sample set from one of the suppliers he can for most of all intents and purposes, can can make as good of a T-shirt as somebody with a two hundred thousand dollars automatic setup. He won't be able to make as many of them, but but the quality of what he can make is up there with anything. So when it comes to equipment, and I'm going to get relatively specific here. And if my phone starts blowing up, that means I know that this that this podcast is probably published. But Uh-oh. it is what it is. Chris, you so better this one.
1: Hot takes. Yeah, you know you've got you got the the players in this
2: industry. Obviously, M and R Rock. MHM, Brown, Anatole, Workhorse, um, Toss to a lesser extent. Now, all make a press that will work, that will hold registration, that can make you some money, and at the end of the day, will help you run your business. Now, there's differences between every single one of those brands. And in some cases, those differences are enough to warrant that brand. In some cases, in most cases, they are just some perceived difference that the people who have bought that press browbeat because it helps them justify the purchase that they made.
1: Mm.
2: Right? How often do you see somebody, you find me the guy who comes up and said, I bought this and that was a mistake. That's the guy I want to listen to, right? Why was it a mistake? Because so too often it's like we, we need, it's almost like this, this confirmation bias. You know, we, hear, we hear that term a lot in the political spectrum, but confirmation bias is where you, you, know, you surround yourself with like-minded people that support your opinion, whether it's right or wrong. We find that with the screen printing presses. So look, if I was going in and I was going to be buying, if I was starting my shop and I had thirty dollars to $70,000 to buy a press, I'd buy an MR Diamondback E or I'd buy an MR and Sport. That's what I would buy. Now, there's a lot of reasons I feel that way, and there's other presses that would do just as well for you. Fine. That's what I would buy. Um, MR's pallet systems are upgradable all the way, or the same pallet system from that Diamondback all the way through their $300,000 strike over. There's value to that. Um, you've got got a distributor network and a a rep network that can support you on that new press, right? This is your first press. You're going to have a million questions. You're going to need somebody relatively close to you that can come in and maybe show you what off contact is. MNR can provide that. If I'm moving up in kind of the mid-tier, me personally, I'm looking at an MNR Cobra or a Rock Next, okay? it's my opinion. A lot of people have different ones. It is what it is. If I'm going up anything above that, I'm most likely looking at a rock oval. Right? Rock oval makes the rock makes the absolute best oval in the world, and there'll be 90% of people out there that disagree with me. Whatever, that's my opinion. Mainly because of the registration tolerances. They've been making the same drive system for 20 years, they've got it dialed in. So if we're going to start our business, I'm starting now, you, rock has a U, MHM has some X and S types. My challenge with MHM is once you get past the X and S type, you go up to their SYNC 5000, it's a different it's a different system, right? That, that registration system on the 5,000 is not the same registration on the X and S type. So I'm gonna have two different things going on here. With the Rock and the m and R, I'm gonna have the same registration system from the $40,000 press to my $200,000 press. All three of those brands will work great with the CTS. CTS is a must, it needs to be your next purchase after an automatic, and then a third purchase is a coder. Um, people can message me, and I'll be glad to make more blunt recommendations. But you really can't go wrong with any of those three brands. Now, what I've really been preaching to a lot of shops that I talk to, who I kind of just get peened on this, is we talked a little bit about this before hybrids. Okay, hybrids are coming; they are getting that stuff figured out. The ink companies are really made a commitment to it. You know, Magna, Matsui, Aviant. They all have, you know, the, the tie coats and the binders and the hybrid underbases. So we're getting investments from our consumable supplier to support this technology. And what Rock and both M and R are doing with their hybrids is is fabulous. Have you thought it about is, that
0: Farrag hybrid, or is it more of heat transfer? You think is the? Uh...
1: I was just talking to Jeffrey about this this week. Mm. Uh, we we need to, you know, equipment's going to well, come. Uh, Equipment's going to come last in, in, in all of this. Like, you know, there's too much signal and, and there's too much noise and uh, we need to figure out everything first and the equipment will be the last last piece of the pie. Um, meaning we will, you know, contract out with a shop that's fabulous at digital for a while until we feel like it's the best, most responsible move to bring it in house. Do I think we might get there? Probably but it might not be my shop. I don't know, um, you know, that's not gonna make or break Campus Inc. selling digital prints.
2: You know, the hybrid, and also let's remember the hybrid, you still have screens, okay? And, and what, what the manufacturers do at a trade show with a hybrid, like a lot of other things they do at trade shows is not necessarily transferable to real world production. You see them running three screens in this full color artwork. What you didn't see is them spending four weeks leading up to that trade show so you got all the screens just perfect, all the separations just perfect, and boom, they can make this print. Whereas if you needed to get it set up in a production environment, you might have needed five screens, right? So you, you, there's still a minimum where hybrid makes sense, right? You know, you st- I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Maybe it's 144, it's 216. It's some sort of combination between number of colors, number of pieces. But that technology is doing really well. And here's the kicker. There are two companies in our industry here in the States, there's some in Asia, but primarily the two in our state in the United States that are making a hybrid system and an analog system is MR and rock. Okay. okay, so what does that mean? That means if you buy an MR or rock and you eventually want to upgrade to a hybrid, you're gonna be working with the same company. They are supporting, you know, MR has a digital squeegee. It technically comes from Asia, it was developed in Asia, but it's their kind of personalized model that they've customized for the North American market. And when there's a problem, you call MR and r and is not gonna be doing this, right? Same way with Rock, it's their hybrid solution. They don't have another manufacturer to blame, okay? All too often, when you start buying an analog system from one company and a digital system from another, even if it's some sort of partnership, inevitably, when there's a problem, the digital company is gonna blame the analog company, the analog company is gonna blame the digital company. I don't want that. I'm willing to pay to not have them be able to blame somebody else. Right. If it's messing up, you need to fix it right now. even am rock is one to do it.
1: Jeffrey, what about like, okay. You know, I I give Justin Lawrence at Oklahoma share company, a lot of credit who's been workhorse through and through. What about the anatols and workhorses that aren't going to be the highest echelon, but they're going to be like good, solid presses. And you know, what, what, what's your take on them? Is that, you know, because they're kind of like, the second tier, say what it is, yeah. Um, yeah. but the barrier to entry is also lower price point, all that stuff. Like, what's what is your take on those kind of second tier groups?
2: Both of those companies, I believe, at least it was back when I was a little closer to this this industry on that side. I believe that both of those systems have a lot of the same accessories as M right? Like a like a like a workhorse pallet will work on an M and R palette, and vice versa. Squeegees are interchangeable, so. You know, if you're seeing yourself now wanting to eventually upgrade into that M&R sphere, you know, both Workhorse and Anatole are, are great. Anatole has carved out a really nice niche with their Volt, right, if you don't want to worry about compressors, if you've got some sort of deed restrictions, if you're working out of your home and you can't have that piston presser, compressor sitting outside keeping your neighbor up, that Anatole fits through a regular size doorway, I mean, it's fabulous. Um, if you could, here's the thing, if you can learn how to print, good quality work on an Anatole or a workhorse, moving up into the MHMs, Rocks, M&Rs of the world is going to be a cakewalk, right? Just because of the way the squeegees clamp in, the way that off-contacts are set up. When you solve those on an Anatole or a workhorse, man, everything else is going to be gravy. There is absolutely nothing wrong with either one of those brands. They will absolutely print you a good quality T-shirt. They will make you money. Um, you know, the other thing, one thing I do talk to is a lot of brand-new shops when they're first purchasing their equipment Especially if they're really new, really new, being they haven't been around for five to ten years, printing on a manual. It's a new business. We don't really know if this business is going to be successful yet, do we? Right. So, how do I mitigate that risk? And and, and how do I how do I reduce my right just keeping the cost down? The used market for an M and R Diamondback and Sportsman is by far and away a better used market than any other brand out there. If hmm. you, know, you, buy, you, buy, you buy a sportsman for $50,000, two years later, you'll be able to sell that thing for thirty five dollars to $40,000 in, in, in a week. Dave McLean, one of those guys, will move it in 24 hours. Dave McLean, What other?
0: The infamous film. I've, I've been trying to get him on. but uh, It's him
1: and his son. Yeah, it's not just he's Dave. A little, yeah.
0: He's a little shy. Yeah. Hey, give him a shout-out, Jeff. When, uh, tell tell him, come on. Dave, if you're listening
1: to this, we want you. Dave, we appreciate we, we, we you. We appreciate
0: your mysteriousness. Well, yeah. We want to yeah. tell your story. Right,
2: you <laughs> you got all the rigors and all the people that can come in and help you disassemble and get it shipped. That—that's the secret sauce to that business. Anybody can list a press for sale and take a ten percent brokerage fee, but but can that broker execute? Dave McLean can execute. UCC filings, right? Don't forget, if you sell a piece of equipment, even if you've paid off the note. It doesn't mean that people you pay it off from have released the UCC files. I see it all too often. And Then you go to sell that used piece of equipment. Beacon comes in and says, here's your funny way." you've got a UCC lien against that. And I got paid that damn thing off. What the hell? Now you got to get a hold of whoever you did the original note group um, to get them paperwork to release the lien Whoa. so that you can sell that piece of equipment. Um, I see that happen a lot. Um, huh. you know, people, people forgetting those steps. So Anatole and Workhorse, nothing wrong with them. We see, we see in this industry, and you know, and I did this when I sold equipment. Obviously, it, it's my job to sell equipment. We focus in on things that our equipment does really well. And we try to gloss over maybe some stuff that it doesn't do so well. With the CTS systems that are out there now, whether it be rock, MHM, you know, MR, you're gonna you should you're gonna be setting up seven to nine colored jobs in less than 30 minutes ink, squeegees, flood bars, registered, fresh off, guaranteed, guaranteed, if you come in and put some proper processes in place with the CTS, that's gonna end up being your average, somewhere around there. Now, can one can one shave off two or three minutes? Yeah, maybe. But what I'm always telling people is, we focus on these registration things, we focus on this thing indexing at 900 an hour, but yet, we've got two people spending the equivalent of 16 hours a day Checking in freight, right? I mean, the, the the UPS truck shows up, and because of the way I ordered from Broder, San Mar, and Staten, I'm paying people, I'm paying two people thirty bucks an hour to check in freight. I, in most of these jobs, saving two or three minutes on the setup, it's irrelevant to the amount of time I can I can save by putting in proper receiving systems, right? Mm-hmm. And staging systems, and labeling systems, and where is that box? But equipment's fun to talk about um people feel like they can understand it a little bit but when we get into like sops for shipping and receiving and pos that's a world that most people don't understand so nobody wants to talk about it so we we don't consider that we've got way more waste most of the time before the press and after the press than we actually do on the press Hmm. um and you know that that's where i encourage people to to try and spend time but it's not easy you're talking
0: more about operational type stuff. Um. so there's, I mean, it sounds like there's a big caveat, especially when you, when you post that, just making sure that, you know, everybody has their own perspective as well. We, we just recently had anchored Prince owner, Sam on, um, who actually has both and I'm sure you watch the videos. Um, and he's got his opinions and,
2: and, uh, is that is that the one where they had the speed contest? Yeah, they did both of them side by side. He's, by he's side. doing a
0: lot of different characteristics. Back, of, I mean, he's ba- he basically said speed wise and everything is the same. His issue was more of a maintenance problem um, on M and R versus Rock, and so that was where he in service, as you point. But he said overall speed is just like it. It didn't matter; it was negligible. I'll tell
2: you what; I'll give Rock credit for that warranty. It's pretty powerful right? Um, you know, three years, I think or two years, whatever it is now. And that, that includes parts and service and, and tech time. Right. If they've got to come to you. I mean, you got a lot of manufacturers out there where if something goes wrong on the, on the 10th month, they'll replace the part for free, but you got to pay for the tech to fly in. And that's always been a little little bit of a challenge for me to kind of accept. Um, so, but, you know, it is what it is. You
0: had equipment I should have written, yep. cause you had For, four. Yeah, what, what, was, what, was, what, next? Two? what
2: was next? Yeah. So let's talk about software. Yeah, software. That's the other talk let's talk I'm about like, it. Oh my God, all the time. Um, what software are you using to run? You got what me you sweaty. No, you'll be, fine. <laughs> no you'll, be fine. you'll be fine. So, you know, 10 years ago, I mean, I mean PrintTavo didn't exist. You really had, you know, what was called T-Quoter.
0: T-Quoter, T-Chimp, uh, T-Cal, t- uh, ShopWorks, then you had, you had, Impress. You had,
2: you had ShopWorks and Impress. And Fast right? Manager
0: and Price It maybe.
2: Were those back then? So, yeah, I put ShopWorks and Impress are, are enterprise systems. Yeah. Mm. And all of the things that we hate about software are part of an enterprise system. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife works for Nordstrom. She's a buyer. I think we mentioned this, you know, $15 billion company. And everything is, a lot of their stuff is still keyed in manually. It's all about data entry. You know, the old, the old saying of garbage in, garbage out. Well, that's how an impression of software systems operate. You've got almost dedicated data input people because of the amount of stuff that they're tracking. But the market, the market for a software company at that level is so incredibly small now in the United States that it's just not viable for somebody like a Printavo to try and come in and offer the amount of, you know, double-entry accounting systems and you know, royalty tracking and sales or commissions tracking and production and APIs with suppliers. It's just too much. Um, my, from what I understand, and I, and I admittedly I'm not a Printavo expert, but I will say that for 90% of everybody out there, Printavo is exactly what you need. And that, and that is the largest addressable market, right? So, you know, I don't, I don't know what your development costs are. I know that typically development costs are really high. Um, so when... I mean, you know, when somebody when somebody comes to you and say, "Can we do this or can you do this?" The answer is always, "Yes, I I can do that." But I've also got a business to run, and if it's going to cost me a half million dollars to get that feature added to my software, and I've really only gotten ten or twenty shops asking for it, and I can't really charge for it, how do I how do I you know mon- monetize that that development time? You can't. And so you I, there is you a try f-
0: I think there is a fair so uh maybe three four months ago, I just happened to open Instagram and it was Lee Stewart, Danny Gruninger, and uh Josh Merrill from from Liquid Graphics on <laughs> I don't know how this came all to be, but it was like eleven o'clock at night, and I was just like, Wow, this is gonna be interesting. So I started listening. And, um, you know, Danny was, was pretty fired up that, you know, why don't we have everything that uh, shops have in, you know, a CNC world or, you know, all the IoT stuff, which is basically allowing software to connect to hardware. And I mean, I was writing, I was like, I think you're spot on. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's like a super clear path forward. Um, although Josh brought up the fair point, is like, do you know what those softwares cost in the CNC world? Like, I mean, they're, you know, millions of dollars plus all this implementation time plus all this training, and there's just no market for it. No one, no one would spend that kind of money. Now, I'm not making. An ex- I think absolutely we can do it and be more affordable over time, right? Over a longer span of time, but. Yeah, it is interesting looking at software as as terms of dollars invested to make the functionality, but um, because it actually is very, very expensive.
1: Uh, I I think what's also interesting is, okay, when did the cloud come out? Like, when was the first... You want to know a funny story with that?
0: The first, or no, second trade show I went to was DAX uh, in Tinley Park, Illinois.
1: In like 2012?
0: 20. No, this one's maybe 20. No, like 2016, maybe or something. Okay, And I had multiple people attend that. Uh, I had to convince why the cloud was not bad. And, that, and I'm thinking to myself, and this is like Adobe didn't fully, I mean, they had creative cloud out and everything, but not to the full amount. But yeah, it was still very, very new. But,
1: but But I think if you think about it, like Screen printers are not tech people who are engineers and super tech oriented. They're craftsmen or you know, they're working with their hands, or this is a, a new career for them. Then you're adding this new thing called the cloud in you know early 2010. Now you're adding software as a subscription, meaning, like, wait, I have to pay for it every month. Why can't I just buy the CD? That's what my business partner would ask. Why, why can't we just pay it once? You know, that's how I did it with Corel, right? And an so AOL. there's an AOL 9.0 there's a mindset shift to understanding technology and software is developed completely different today than it was literally seven or eight years ago. Um, meaning like the apps that we use and like to have a platform on a website was not very common to be able to log into a website that then runs your company. Most people are still using QuickBooks Desktop for that reason, right? So like software as a service and and platform-based stuff is, we're literally in the first decade of it in history. Yeah,
0: we're in V1, right? And that's why I think it's, it's on the flip side. I'm pumped and excited to see what comes out from us. I hope it's us. If it's others, that'd be cool too. But um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like it is super early still.
1: I I was talking to a customer that was like, you know, complaining about something or something they didn't want. And I said, you know, like how much you're paying a couple hundred bucks a month, that's two grand a year for how loud you are. Like they have to hire someone to answer every one of your complaints. And every time you complain, they have to stop what they're doing and answer you. And, And that takes time. Like, are you worth that? Like, are you worth that time? Like at some point, it's usually the smallest ones that are the loudest and those smallest ones are actually dragging down innovation because they're not letting the thinkers actually think, you know? Um, I'm just defending you Bruce cause I love you guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I, and again, I don't want this to be, I mean, look, more so on Jeff's side, like, what do you think? Uh, where do you think software, like where do you see it going over the next couple of years? What, what could be cool that's that's practical too,
2: there's, there. You have a lot of options out there to run your business up to three, four, or five million dollars in revenue. I think Pentavo can get there. Some of these other ones can get you there. When you start getting up above that number, things start changing very quickly. And, and I've used this story a lot that if, if you're a hard worker and you can make a good product and you're honest, you can rel- and you can build a business up to about a million dollars relatively easy. It's not hard. You can pretty much do that through family and friends and churches and schools. You can get there. To get up to that $1 to $3 million, you need to have a little bit of a niche. You need to have a little bit more of a business acumen, but you can relatively get there. Your banking relationships aren't so difficult. You can manage cash flow up to 2 or $3 million. When you get up to about $5 million a year in revenue, some things gradually start to change, mainly employee, liability, HR, insurance, and taxes. Um, those things become problems that weren't a problem for a $2 million business. Now, when you <laughs> get... To take a $5 million business to a $20 million business is a Herculean effort. You know, it it is just because a lot of your banking relationships start changing. You're going to have lines of credit. You're going to have things that are going to be tied back to inventory and AR and all these things that you probably weren't really so much cared about when you're a $1 or $2 million business. But if you're an $8 million business, your banker does care. Because you're going to have a quarter million dollar or half million dollar line of credit to get you through the lean times that's going to be tied back to ar and inventory and you've got to have software that can help you track those data points because once a quarter when the banker comes to you and says hey i need you to you know i need you to send me your ar and inventory report if it's going to take you a month to put it together that's a red flag right you need to be able to hit a button and run an inventory report you need to be able to hit a button and easily run an ar report and most of those softwares at the entry level can't do those types of things for you. Mm-hmm. So that's where when you're getting up to that five million dollar mark, you really only there's really only getting two players in that well, three. They're they're stock, they're stocked up, I guess, is there. But you know, impress and And they're archaic, whether they're built on FileMaker, they're built on these kind of archaic systems. But you know, if you walk up to most airline ticket terminals. It's still a black screen with green font, right? You know, because that's been proven the easiest and most efficient way to enter data. Um, and so, you know, we're challenging it up there. I would like to see software's print toggles of the world. You know, help us manage that that AR and that inventory a little better. Um, you know, so that and maybe it's there again. I'm speaking from ignorance here, but you know, being able to keep track of inventory. Um, in an ideal world where i'd like to see things go and i don't know why no equipment supplier has done this i mean bruce if i was in an Iraq, rock i'd have come and bought you three years ago you know why to danny's credit which i think is what he was talking about why is there no solution between equipment manufacturers and software manufacturers where they talk and it doesn't have to be complicated it, it wasn't just a matter of walking up and when you start a press you're typing in a job number or typing in an invoice number that automatically communicates Let's just use Printavo as an example. If it automatically pulled up that job from Printavo, and you could track the total production times. Just very simple data. Well, we don't have anybody talking to each other. And if I was an equipment company, I would, have come written, I would have come and written you a check, a big check, because talk about getting a sticky customer. If I'm making an M&R press and I'm also selling a software solution, but that software solution is only gonna to talk to my m and press how sticky is that customer now as an M&R customer? You know, three years from now when he buys a second auto or fourth or fifth auto, every one of them are gonna be M and R because the machine is talking to your software. Mm-hmm.
1: And and I think no one's doing I think no one's doing it because no one's doing it. Yeah, right? Yeah, like like we're yeah. we were talking about on the last podcast is you know uh The first person that, like the first company that does it will bring the market forward. And it's not a matter of can or cannot. It's do they want to? Is there an urgency there? Uh, But I I mean, I think in the next couple of years, something's going to have to happen. Um, we're just, we're just getting to a point now where the excuses have lasted so long. And I say this in the nicest way possible, but I'm going on eight years. And I remember having these conversations eight years ago with Bruce,
2: 20, years ago. with
1: Bruce at the trade shows or at both, both manufacturers, like, Hey, we could do this. Hey, we could, yeah, 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 like inviting, like it, it takes, it takes smart people to dedicate time to do this, but it's not unachievable. I just don't know if there's a desire because does yeah. it sell more it's not presses? Prioritized. To de- yeah. It's prioritized. Yeah.
0: Because it's not, to your point, it's not a competitive uh, feature yet. It's not, because nobody else has it.
1: You know, I, I've always said if there was an app on my phone called is my press running or not? .com yes or no. .net. And mm-hmm. it told me the hours per day that it was just indexing, I, I would pay $10,000 for that because. I would know okay the press was spinning for five hours today okay yesterday was spinning for three hours okay it was spinning for six hours all i just want to know is is my press spinning or not and right now today in 2022 you you can't figure that out and that's just backwards i don't know jeff jeffrey what do you think uh, we've,
2: got to, we've got to get there and um i want to be sure we cover other topics we, we always we always share a lot of information but you know, I guess it kind of goes back to to Bruce's same challenge with there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so many dollars in our research and development budget. And these these press companies right now, they've got more business than they know what to do. With yeah, right. It's I mean, true. Do you, do you I mean, so, you know, why am I going to spend five to ten million dollars buying a company or five to ten million dollars? i bet when you know
1: what's sure right now. Yeah. When you know what's selling when and you're six months booked. I'm right. right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm six months out, so
1: I get it. In, you know, in Jeffrey in Asia, are do people do, do the do the bigger factories mod and build add-ons to measure things with AI and like and that stuff, or is it still very manual yeah, process? There
2: are some bigger shops. There are some bigger shops certainly. Um, you know, I my factories can actually do can absolutely do things better. Um, but also, but also the screen printing is just. It's a subcategory of the entire process, mm. you know. Whereas here, as we look at it as the process, and over there in our world, you're starting you're starting with middle, with raw fabric, and you got to do cutting plans and sewing lines and trims and zippers and and embroidery and transfers and screen printings a part of that entire process. And so the softwares that are used to manage things at that scale, I mean, you're in the SAPs of the world,
1: Oracle, you're in the
2: fashion acts of the world. You're talking. You know, $20 twenty million dollar softwares with, you know, a hundred people doing nothing but working on those things every day. They're so customizable that yeah, you can absolutely build out a million different modules. And quite frankly, in a lot of the Asian factories, and certainly some of mine, it's still paper Excel sheets on the floor, hmm. uh, because you know we, we have great workers there, but there's obviously um, you know the, the the ability to train that many people at the floor level to. To work within a software system can be a challenge, um, so I, you know, I would definitely start my shop with Printavo, um, you know, and they can get you where ninety-five percent of every business in the U.S. is going to be, and it's going to be less than five million bucks. Yeah, again, get up above that, and you start having some requirements that are challenging. Just keeping track of royalties sales I mean,
1: we're, um, we're in the middle of, of trying to make a Herculean effort right now. And we have made a massive investment in technology. I mean, just Salesforce alone, uh, there's these like 40 grand in Salesforce, 30 or 40 grand in Salesforce, um, just in that, you know, just to get, and I don't, I mean, like we're still building it. And I think. When you make that plunge, you never go back. When you decide to build something on your own, I love the like, I could just build this. Uh, Then you need someone to maintain it and then bug it and then continue iterating on it. And it is a never ending thing to the point where now we have one full time engineer um, and then like a a contractor. Um, And there's easily, I mean, probably 300 grand of, of, of engineering investment and that's not going to return for a while. <laughs> so it's it's not pretty. And I could see Bruce being like, oh boy, here he goes.
2: <laughs> you gotta do it. So you know, we'll get there. I, there's other things I feel like our equipment companies could be doing, but you know, look at the end of the day, you know, Ford, Chevy and Dodge all make a good truck. And you know, just drive, drive the one that's going to get you where you want it. The last thing I'll say about equipment is I like doing business with people that I like. Mm-hmm. It's okay if, if if people like different people than I like. Nothing wrong with that. What I'll say to that is, is that if you've got to be negative about your competition to sell your own product, what the hell are you hiding? I, I, I will not deal with any business that needs to beat down their competition to try and convince me to why their product is better. Yeah, it's cheesy. And when that starts, it's just cheesy. I, I just... I, but, I, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it, it, for sure, it's it's definitely cheesy. Some of the some of the some of the main mistakes that I did. And we touched on this a little bit last time. Trying to be everything to everybody, right? Trying to be the sign. When of marriage, when do
0: try- you make that shift? You said over f- what was it one million? You start to niche, or was it three? What what did you say?
2: Over three. Over three. I said you can get to a million dollars pretty easily. Doing everything,
0: and then you start to niche in over three into a focus. Yeah. And that helps grow to what?
2: Well, you can get again. You you can get to five to eight. It, it's getting up above that where just you can be really profitable and just not have the cash flow, or not have the financial acumen, or not have the right people to get above that. That, that eight million dollar number, really the five million dollar number, is a really tough number to keep that kind of rocket ship going. Um, even if you have a really good service and product. So I would say 5 million is that kind of, and then up above that, Bruce, you get to 20 or 30 where Hmm. where other things start really, really changing.
1: It's it's interesting. The jump is like getting over that like seven or eight hump. And then like, it's not like you're stopping at 13, 14, 15 running a $10 million company is the same as running a $18 million company. It's really interesting. That's exactly right. The,
2: the, the numbers get really big but the percentages stay the same. Yeah. And so, um it is that's kind of the hump the other things that i encourage people to avoid obviously trying to be everything to everybody if i'm printing t-shirts i don't need to figure out how to print coffee mugs. but the other things that you got to avoid is you got to you got to try to avoid ego jobs and what i mean by ego jobs is you're doing really good you've got you've got kind of your core customer base that's paying the bills you've got a good system going and then somebody like i don't know i mean this is bravado or you know the UFC, the UFC calls you up and wants you to do, you know, seven thousand shirts for their some event somewhere, and all you're thinking is UFC. And they come to you and they're like, well, you know, we got, we need it at this price. And it's like three dollars and fifty cents. But because your ego wants to be able to post about how you printed for the UFC, you take that ego job, and it totally disrupts all of the other stuff that you were doing mm-hmm. and doing well and making money on. Because you wanted to take that new job, that that one job. Look, unless unless you are built to support those kinds of jobs, it's not like you convince yourself, oh, if I do this, one, I'm going to get this business, and I can start buying more equipment. And your ego starts, starts overtaking common sense. And you end up disrupting your factory for a week to get that one job out that you ultimately didn't make any money on. And all you did was delay and piss off a lot of customers that are paying the bills. So ego jobs are something you've really got to be self-aware enough to avoid. The other thing you've got to avoid are routing guides, right? The world of routing guides, which is what a big box retailer uses to accept product. And it's these 100-page thick manuals in the apparel world that, you know, if Academy Sports or Dick's Sporting Goods call you up and want to order some product from you, you've got to get registered as a supplier, then you've got to accept the routing guide. And the routing guide goes from everything to the hang tag's got to be on the left armpit, two, two centimeters over from that seam. It's got to be folded in a three-ply, in a two-mil bag with a barcode on the bottom left corner, one inch from the left, one inch up from the right. It's got to be stacked in a two three three two stack in a box. The UPS label's got to be on the front middle, no more than one inch um, from the bottom. And any of those things that you don't hit on the order is a charge bag. Right? And so you, you think, oh my God, I want to do business with Dick's. Um, they want the, my local stuff. And, but all you can understand is how much it costs to make that shirt. You never consider all of the finishing and routing guide requirements. People like Josh Merrill at Liquid, um, you know, and other shops of that size, they have departments of people. I mean, I think Josh has probably got 30 or 40 people that all they're doing is handling routing guides and, and, and labeling and, and, and boxes and packing lists and APIs. This goes back to that ego job, you know, unless you have systems built should just avoid to it. support support those types of customers, just tell them thanks but no have thanks. Have you
0: taken an ego job, job, job fair?
1: All the time. <laughs> they, so they <laughs> all the time i mean we're we're doing it right now in in sports you know like oh yeah we work with this player we work with this player we work with this player you know and we get we get agents that hit us up and be like i got the coolest player for you and i'm like i don't care if, is he gonna sell me a thousand shirts or is he gonna sell me 20 shirts i don't care who he is you know but you'll see it on our team being like oh can, can we give him a discount can they it's just like that's it you know it. uh and you're like I don't care if you're in the sorority, if you are in the church, if you, you know, like I'll have clients be like, yeah, the the band's coming around and they're going to be super legit. It's like, I don't care if you're in the band. I I don't, I don't care. You know, we're running a copy machine with (laughs) t-shirts, you know? So yeah, I've, uh, I've, I'm growing past it. I still get excited about stuff when it's sports teams I like and celebrities and stuff like that all the time. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay. It's, 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 uh. It's an acquired uh, skill to learn, for sure. But I've been there.
2: <laughs> let's hit. Let's hit the. Um, we're kind of closing in here on our time here. So let's kind of circle back fully on something that uh, Stephen mentioned earlier, and that is build, building out your supply chains. We all love going and buying new equipment. It's fun. We um, get to go to trade shows. We get wine and dine. That's all great. But Stephen, what Stephen said earlier was. I want to build out my supply chains, build out my contract planners, build out my third party people to help support the growth of my business. Because if I don't build that out now before I need them, it will be too late when I need them. And so, you know, build out that robust network over there. And the people you can scale with. And as you begin to scale, then you can slowly get into the in-house manufacturing. And when shit goes wrong, because it will, You've got that supply chain network already built out to fall back on. Um, you know the the idea of you know it it, it costs you know it costs ten bucks to get a customer, it costs hundred bucks to get them back, right? So you can't afford to piss off your customers as you're getting into in-house production. So you know finding the people that you trust, finding the people that can execute, and then building out your own internal systems to push orders to them. Do that first and then figure out what you can do internally yourself and how much margin you're going to be able to capture by doing that internally. So Steven's absolutely doing it the right way.
1: And I I think, you know, we've gotten an investment, we're working with Mark Cuban, all the equipment manufacturers are hitting me up. Everyone's like, oh, are you going to flip your shop around or what are you going to do? Or are you going to get the Polaris or whatever? It's like, nope, (laughs) Um, we have to get, you know, And, and, and there's, I, I think I learned this too late in the industry. There's always a better printer than you. There's always someone that's much more talented. There's, and, and, you know, like when you leverage them and we use their talents and when, you know, our, our industry is so elastic, it is such like an ecosystem that supports each other that, you know it pains me when I see someone on one of the groups saying I printed a four color manual, uh, four color front, two color back on your manual. It was 650 pieces. I'm like, I'm like your forearms, but like, did you know that our industry is very elastic? Did you know that there's a contract network? Did you know that there's amazing printers that'll print this for a buck or two aside and will do an amazing job so that you can get back to selling? you know? And I think we think production comes first in our industry, sales and marketing needs to come first, you know? And, and, and we've got, there's enough presses in the United States to print for everyone. Um, When do you
0: you think that shift happened for you though? Cause I, I feel like, I feel like you were thinking about it differently from maybe two years ago. And then the last year I've made that more mind slash business shift
1: um bandwidth like my mental bandwidth can only run so many parts of the business i look at a company like stoked on printing in in vegas and Mm -hmm. you know uh sean and kevin like they they each have an arm of it production sales like it's a it's it's you know they each can niche into it right i don't necessarily have that luxury so, you know, one part of my business is going to suffer when I'm focusing on the other one and I don't have enough hours in the day to be automating the shop floor and automating our sales and marketing and all that stuff. And so I kind of realized um, until we find that person or whatever, or we we find that out, for me to sleep at night, it's okay to be elastic. It's okay to send... It's, it's an ego punch to be like, oh, we're not printing this in-house. Nope, and we're totally fine with it. I think I learned that probably... I learned about the contract network when I was learning about DTG because I would sub jobs out, jobs out to uh, Eric Withar at Premium Custom and he was DTGing for me. And then I was like, wait, can you print for me? Wait, can you sew this for me? Wait, we got, and I was like, wait a second, this is, this works. And we do mm-hmm. what we can in house, you know, um, but when we're busy during peak season, you know, we're subbing out 20, 30% of it and that's okay. Um, that's the decision we made so that we don't have to buy more presses and have more staff that I have to be responsible for 12 months a year, you know? So Um, you were
0: kind of like forced, like you, you had to just through adoption, but
1: yeah, it's, I mean, I was, it was forced, but like, how did I learn about the contract network? I've been to freaking eighteen trade shows, right? Like, right, right. It, you meet, know, I uh, yeah. it's and and every time I go to another show, I meet someone else, and I'm like, wait, we could work together. There's some cool stuff that you guys do, right? Yeah. So I I think we're very fortunate that we have a small community here. That's cool. So yeah.
2: So the last 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 topic: equipment, software, supply chains. Poor topic, pricing. you see come up all the time. You know whether it's in the road printers groups or the printable groups or screen printing support groups it's always hey, i've got 300 shirts two color front two color back i'm at 550 is that good mm-hmm. yes it is great Go. i don't know you know that should be everybody's answer I, I don't know because what i see people get most frustrated about is oh you're so cheap oh you're giving it away how do you know what that person's expectations are of his lifestyle Right? You know, I know what it costs me to live the lifestyle I want to live. And so that means if I was a screen printer, I would know what kind of margins I need to make. But that doesn't mean that everybody else needs that same lifestyle. Somebody else might be totally fine, you know, still, you know, living in their home that's paid for, printing out of their garage, and they print for two or three hours in the morning and then they have the rest of the day off. And if they make 50 cents a shirt, that pays all the bills that they need to pay to live the lifestyle they want to live. So to come in and saying that hey, you're way too cheap. You know, you should print more. You're giving it away. Maybe they are, but maybe they can be happy at that number. And maybe you need to make more to live the lifestyle you want to live. And that's okay, too. And so all too often I see people just browbeating people. And, of course, at the end of the day, for somebody to ask what somebody's pricing is, everybody's overheads different. And that is valid. Um, and so instead of just beating people up, Just, you know, you can kind of come in and and look at it from a way of, you know, look, I'd be I'd be at eight bucks a shirt. Uh, You're at five fifty. You know, um, that's great. Good luck. You know, and I promise you, capitalism will win out over the long term and they'll either be in business a year from now or they won't
1: be. I think what's what needs to happen more. You said it quickly, Jeffrey, was people don't know their overhead. Even if you're a garage shop, do you know what your expenses are if you don't print a single shirt? And I don't think, like if I were to ask people, you know, how do we price? We price based on overhead. You know, is this contributing to the pot positively um, or are we losing money by printing it? You know, and that's always the question. Is it is it is it contributing in a positive direction to where we want to be? And if we continue doing more of those and less of the detractors, we'll be a profitable business. Um, but I don't think people really, you know, people don't understand that. And I think I would challenge people to ask the question, what is your overhead? Do you know it?
2: Yeah, and, and, and what what contributes to overhead, right? What's contributed to fixed costs versus indirect costs? And you know, how do we use both of those variables to ultimately price a job? Um, it is complicated. It, 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 you know, maybe this is something that maybe there already is, but you know, there 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 could be a whole hour presentation at these trade shows that are, that should be very specific on Here's a template. Take it with you. And this is how we're going to fill it out. And walk them through in that hour class. And, you know, rent, electric, you know, appreciation, taxes, you know, all of these things. And I think there probably is. Our industry does a relatively good job of that. Maybe people don't realize where to find those resources. I don't know. But you're right. Most people don't don't have any idea. They just well, the guy down the street charges 575. So I'm going to charge $570. And I'm either gonna have some cash in the bank at the end of the month or I won't. I have no idea. That's that's how that's how blindly in
1: the blind. Yeah.
2: And and the aversion to price increases. Why how many industries you know out there that are so averse to passing on their cost to their customer? Again, it's an eco play. I don't want to lose that customer. It's your ego. And so our 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 apparel suppliers had no problem sending out that email. Our ink suppliers have no problem sending out that email. Why do we, as the manufacturer, have a problem passing on those costs to our customer? Mm-hmm. Um, that's something else that we, I think we, and myself included, I didn't do a good job of doing. It. So,
0: so, what lifestyle? Do I like that, actually. What lifestyle do you want to live to target? And that's where you. And,
2: and, and judging somebody else because they're happy in a lifestyle that that price pays for. Man, that's that's pretty arrogant. At the end of the day, right? It's pretty arrogant of me to think that his lifestyle is not good enough, so he should charge more for his T-shirt. Who who am I to make that assumption? Uh, you know, I don't know, just my my take on it. So, those are the topics I always see coming up: equipment, software, supply chain, This is price. gonna be a Love good
0: one. Uh, Four takeaways be good. with Jeffrey wow. Paul.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Well, we appreciate
0: you joining again too. I'm sure you're. Yeah, we, we got a flight out to. Uh, to singapore
2: or thailand where are you going are you next, going next? I, um it'll be uh so it'll be it'll be um, bangladesh i'll leave on here on the 16th and probably be there for, for three weeks uh, we've got some some big projects um, going on uh, guys thank you so much uh, for your call thank you for what you're doing um, for the industry if something like this had been around 20 years ago I probably would have made half as many mistakes. So you know, thank, thanks for
0: doing what you guys do. <laughs> yeah, thank thanks, you, Jennifer. Jeff. You can find Jeffrey all Paul right. on Facebook. He answers his messengers. So direct all questions <laughs> there. Uh, Appreciate yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see you guys on the next episode.